0: Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, even beyond their ability, there were, they were freely, willingly, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I gave my advice, it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion of, out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but an equality. But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, and their abundance also may supply your lack that there may be a quality, as it is written, He who has gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. And then reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, page 1,365, 1,365, 1 Timothy 6, again beginning at verse 1 and reading through verse 12. Let as many servants as are under the yoke of count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believed, believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not uh, consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is in accord with godliness, he is proud, not knowing, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses." As far as the reading of God's Word, may He add His blessing to it. In conjunction with it, I invite you to look at the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 42 on page 892 in the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Page 892, second column, Lord's Day 42, dealing with the Eighth Commandment, You Shall Not Steal. What does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? He forbids not only outright theft and robbery, which governing authorities punish, but in God's sight, theft also includes all evil tricks and schemes designed to get our neighbors' goods for ourselves, whether by force or means that appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interest, or any other means forbidden by God. In addition, God forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. What does God require of you in this commandment? That I do whatever I can and may for my neighbor's good, and that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may help the needy in their hardship. Love of the Lord, we come to the Eighth Commandment, which uh, is often referred to as the Stewardship Commandment. It brings us into the workaday world of buying and selling, labor and wages, savings and investments. It brings us into the mundane uh, elements of our work and possessions and uh, reminds us that there is nothing mundane about them because in the presence of God, we are responsible for all that He has entrusted to us. It's good for us to remember the context of this commandment, and indeed all the commandments. They come to the redeemed, blood-bought people of God. Uh, the Ten Commandments have a preamble. I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, live this way. Uh, I'm the God who redeemed you. I'm the God who redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Passover Lamb that pointed to Christ. And so to the redeemed people of God, we who have been purchased by not the blood of a Lamb, but the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed to redeem us, uh, this is God's will for Christian lives. If we are grateful to God for what He has done for us, then uh, we should strive to obey this commandment to show our gratitude. We Don't obey it in order to earn our salvation, but to show our gratitude for it. Now, I want to follow the simple outline of the catechism here. What does this commandment forbid and what does it require? With regard to uh, what does it forbid, well, it forbids stealing. But it reminds us, uh, the catechism reminds us, that stealing can take many forms. Uh, It can... uh, take the form of outright theft and robbery and cheating and swindling and so forth. But uh, let's think think of it more in terms of of, uh, God's gifts. The, The last part of the first answer is, in addition, God forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. You know, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. But it also says, the Bible also says, the Lord gives gifts to men. In other words, everything is God's, but He entrusts things to us. We see that at the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He created paradise on earth uh, in terms of the Garden of Eden. And then He entrusted it all to Adam and Eve. He, he gave it to them as a gift and said, now, you know, exercise dominion. Make the earth fruitful. Make it uh, blossom and so forth. And uh, it became... Adam and Eve's property. But the idea of private property is not an absolute uh, private property. Uh, indeed, God gives us property and, and we own it, but uh, we always are answerable to Him. He is the ultimate owner of all things and uh, entrusts things to us. And stealing is the, the misuse of God's gifts. It is the, uh, the taking of uh, Uh, somebody else's gifts, or the misuse of our own gifts. And uh, it's in that regard that we should understand this uh, commandment. Now, uh, the catechism reminds us that outright theft and robbery, which is punishable by law, is uh, is stealing. I hope I don't need to uh, emphasize that too much, but uh, you have to be a pretty bold person to Walk into a bank with a gun and say to the teller, "You know, give me all your cash." Or walk walk into a convenience store and ask for all the money in the till. And and it takes a lot of uh, nerve also just to go into a store and uh, try to find a place where the security cameras aren't looking and stick some uh, goods and merchandise in your pocket and, and walk out without paying. That's that's outright theft and robbery, which is punishable by law. And This commandment forbids it, uh, condemns it, and tells us that if that's what you're doing, you are a thief. But the the catechism also uh, reminds us that uh, many people try to uh, do thievery in a more subtle way rather than outright theft and robbery. They they cheat, they swindle, they look for ways in which they can... uh, Take advantage of other people's uh, naivety or other people's weakness and uh, in buying things or selling things or in paying laborers, uh, uh, contracts with hidden clauses, uh, partnerships that really aren't uh, equal partnerships, uh, although they pretend to be, uh, in the paying of our taxes and so forth. Uh, a lot of times uh, we see people taking advantage of family members in the uh, dividing of an inheritance. Uh, a sad and terrible thing when uh, uh, the second parent dies and the children have to divide the the estate and then uh, they start fighting and squabbling with each other because everybody is greedy for uh, the the major share of the inheritance. Uh, We, uh, in in these various means, we kind of take matters into our own hands and Say, uh, you know, God's distribution of things isn't fair. Uh, I, I got the short end of the stick when God uh, gave gifts and and other people, they have too much. And so, because they have so much and I have so little, I feel entitled. I feel justified in uh, claiming some of it for my own and using my scheming and my trickery to, to try to get uh, more of it into my own pocket. You really don't... Uh, believe that uh, he who feeds the sparrows and watches uh, over you uh, with far greater love and care will do that very thing. Uh, It shows a lack of faith. The uh, the catechism condemns excessive interest. You know, there's a passage in Ezekiel that speaks about uh, not taking interest or profit, and some people have misunderstood that as to be an absolute uh, prohibition against ever uh, lending money at interest. But the rest of Scripture uh, provides context for that. Uh, Leviticus 25, for example, says, If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself uh, with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear God that your brother may live beside you. Uh, Calvin says, don't try to suck the blood of the poor. Don't try to take advantage of the poor, but uh, help them by... Uh, lending them money at no interest and uh, selling them food but selling it at cost and make no profit. Uh, you don't want to insult them and create a climate of dependency by just giving them everything for free. But uh, you don't want to make a profit off of them either. And so uh, we are to be uh, generous to those who need. Uh, the Bible uh, nowhere uh, uh, absolutely forbids uh, uh, lending money at interest in fact uh, jesus uh, condemns uh one of the uh, in one of his parables condemns a man who took his talent and buried it in the sand and jesus says at least you could have put it in the bank and brought it back to me with interest so uh it's uh, excess of interest or uh, uh taking advantage of the poor that uh, the scriptures have in mind uh This commandment forbids greed, greed which comes from the love of money. You know, the the commandment that says you shall not commit adultery isn't just about the physical act of adultery. It's about uh, lusting in your heart. If you lust in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. Well, uh, the commandment you shall not steal is not just about the act of taking somebody else's property by outright theft or by trickery. Uh, And it's about the attitude of your heart. It's about greed. If you're not content with what God has given you, if you uh, always uh, want what God has given to your neighbor, you're already guilty of violating this commandment in God's sight. To be righteous in God's sight and to avoid temptation to rob, cheat, or demand uh, uh, more, uh, you must root out greed and, and learn contentment. You have to learn it. The Apostle Paul says, I have learned to be content uh, whether in riches or in poverty. Uh, it's something that he struggles with and, and had to work at. Uh, greed uh, is what causes us to steal and what causes us to withhold what we owe to others. Uh, one uh, very popular form of greed in our culture is gambling. Gambling is an expression of greed and it it's, it's poor stewardship if you lose, and it's, it's theft if you win. You know, gambling is, is based on the love of money. And uh, the love of money indeed is the root of all evil. And even believers have pierced themselves with many sorrows and uh, made shipwreck of their faith through, through the love of money. Uh, gambling is done because people want to get rich. They, they love money. Uh, don't, uh, don't tell me that when you're buying lottery tickets, you're just paying your taxes. If when you buy lottery tickets, you're just paying your taxes, then prove it by taking the lottery ticket and ripping it up and throwing it away without ever checking to see if it's a winner. If you'll do that, then I'll believe you if you say that you're buying lottery tickets to pay your taxes. Uh, no, uh, the reason uh, people buy lottery tickets is because they want to get rich quick. Some people have justified gambling by saying that it's, it's no different than farming. Uh, you take a risk. You know, farming is risky. Some years you have a, a good year and some years you have a bad year and uh, some years you get, come out ahead and some years you, uh, you don't uh, come out ahead. Well, gambling is a whole lot different than uh, farming. In farming, and, and you could say the same thing about almost any kind of business, um, nobody has to be a loser. Uh, you know if you have to borrow money to buy seed um, and uh, you then plant the seed and get a crop and sell the crop you you pay back the banker with uh, interest and the banker comes out ahead and you sell the crop uh, uh, with enough money for profit for yourself and you come out ahead and you uh, sell it to somebody who processes uh, the crop and uh, makes it ready for the consumer and and uh, they uh, do their work and Uh, sell it to the consumer, and and they come out ahead. Then the consumer gets uh, good nutrition at a reasonable price, and they come out ahead. Everybody is a winner. Now, there are some years where uh, it's not as good a win as others, but nevertheless, it's not guaranteed that one person wins and everybody else loses. In gambling, that's what it is. One person wins and and everybody else loses. Really, it's it's just... uh, Uh, Glorified theft. Uh, You know, if you were to uh, enter a a duel to the death, pistols at 30 paces as they uh, did in uh, previous centuries. If you were to do that today and, and you won and you killed your opponent, you would be arrested for murder. Engaging in a duel is is murder if you uh, kill the other person. And uh, it doesn't matter that the other person agreed to put their life at risk. Uh, If you kill them, you murder them. Uh, You know, uh, really in a duel like that, uh, you risk being murdered in the hope that you will be the murderer. That's why people engage in duels. They... They hoping that they will not be murdered, but they'll be the murderer. Well, it's the same in gambling. Only it's not the sin of murder; it's the sin of sin of theft. You put your money on the table with everybody else's money, in the hope that you get to take everybody else's money home. Uh, that you want to take their money, leave them with nothing, and you take it all without having earned it or worked for it. You put your money at risk. Uh, risking to be robbed in the hope that you won't be robbed, but that you'll be the robber. Uh, that's what gambling is. Uh, there's no relationship between the effort that is put in and the reward that is given, which is the case uh, with with work. Uh, when you when you go to work, you work hard, you get better results. You're lazy, you get poorer results. But that's not true in gambling. It's uh, people want to Get rich at no effort, and that's that's not what we are commanded to do with God's good gifts to us. Uh, it's uh, an expression of the love of money, and the, the whole process ought to be abhorrent to us. You know, I I know that there are a lot of Christians who think that uh, a night at the casino, and you say, well, we're going to buy. We're going to buy $500 worth of entertainment tonight. Uh, I'll I'll take $500 with me and if I lose it all, it'll be fun, you know, it'll be fun. We'll have a a, a good time uh, at the casino uh, with the thrill, the excitement of it all, the glitter and the lights and and all that sort of stuff. It's it's buying uh, just a night's entertainment, they say. But that's where people go who are greedy for money and love money and Many people who go there have ruined their own lives and ruined the lives of their families. They've destroyed marriages and hurt children, and uh, people have uh, suffered, gone into poverty and bankruptcy because of it. And, and we want to go and be entertained by that in that co- that culture in that climate. Uh, the whole idea ought to be abhorrent to us. Uh, it's poor uh, stewardship when you lose. It's uh, stealing when you win. And uh, it is uh, contrary to the eighth commandment. Now we all need to recognize that there's a bit of greed in all of us there's uh, uh, a bit of love of money in all of us we We all would uh, like to have more than we we have and and that's a sign of sin you know uh, if if you love money, says the proverb, you'll never have enough of it. And uh, we have to fight that temptation and we have to learn contentment because our evil nature is, is given to greed. But well, we need to recognize that. We need to confess it. We need to take that greed to the cross and, uh, and there uh, find uh, forgiveness for it through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then uh, when we know that our greed and avarice has been uh, forgiven. We have to ask ourselves, well then, what does this commandment require of us? What does God want us to do in gratitude for the fact that he paid for our greed? He paid for our love of money. He he saved us from it and uh, now wants us to live a different life. What does this commandment require of us? Well, I have to do whatever I can for my neighbor's good and uh, work faithfully so that I might help the needy, says the catechism. Indeed, uh, all that you receive from God is to be used for God's glory, and God's, God is glorified when you use what you have to uh, to enrich the lives of others. Your talents, your energy, your property, your money are to be put to use for the welfare of your neighbors, uh, your neighbors close at hand, and your neighbors around the world. Don't work so you can get rich and afford luxuries and all you want. Work so that other people's lives may be made healthier and happier and, and safer. Work to uncover all the, the the hidden potentialities of God's great creation and to use them for the betterment of mankind because that glorifies God. You know, just think of the, the two major industries of our community, uh, Premier Manufacturing and uh, Pellicorp. They produce products, right? You know what the products are. You probably know better than I do what those products are. But I know enough of them to know that the products that they make are designed to help people, uh, to do work for people, and to make their work easier, to make them more efficient, and uh, uh, to make uh, life more comfortable. Uh, You know, I have my office arranged so that I can look out a window very easily. I can take my uh, eyes off my computer screen and look... uh, Beyond them and uh, see uh, through the window, uh, green trees, green grass, uh, red and yellow flowers. I can see uh, my neighbors uh, walking or driving past the house. I I have a window on the world. It's a wonderful window. Windows are wonderful things. Uh, And in the wintertime when it's uh, blowing cold and snow, I don't feel any of that cold as I sit in my office. And when it's uh, 99 degrees outside and hot and humid... I sit in my office and don't feel that heat. I feel the the nice air-conditioned air because that window is constructed so well that it insulates me from the cold in the wintertime and from the heat in the summer. You know, uh, when I have to uh, sit in a nursing home room all day, uh, someday if I live that long, I I hope that there's a window that I can look out of. Well, uh, we have a company in town that makes windows that that enrich people's lives and, and and bring beauty into people's lives and bring joy into people's lives. And, and so if you make windows or or uh, make uh, balers or whatever it is you make or contribute to the process in any way by doing the paperwork or doing the finances or doing the selling or whatever it is, you're enriching the lives of other people. Uh, I hope I don't have to explain how farmers do that as well in terms of producing food and nutrition for Uh, the world and uh, uh, devote yourself to doing what is good to enrich the lives of others. God has given you talents, He's given you abilities, He's given you money and you can invest it in order to uh, make products and uh, produce uh, fruit that will enrich the lives of others. And if you will make that your goal, view your work as a calling from God to glorify Him by enriching others, He'll take care of your financial needs. It's not sinful to think about money and think about salary it's not sinful to uh to take a job that pays twice as much as your current job, provided uh it uh, doesn't involve going to a place where there's no church and no school for your kids uh, uh, but if uh, those things are covered and uh, the Lord opens an opportunity for a better paying job uh, fine uh, it's it's not wrong to to turn uh it's not uh, you're not required by the rule of contentment to uh, turn down opportunities to uh, do more things and do uh, bigger things and and better things and be rewarded uh, appropriately. Uh, It's not unspiritual to uh, be concerned about providing for the needs of your family and providing wealth for them, but that shouldn't be your goal. Jesus says, don't seek your own life. Uh, But if you will deny yourself, uh, then uh, Uh, Or he who loses his life for my sake, he's the one who finds it. He's the one who discovers at the end that the Lord has provided far more than he he ever anticipated and uh, far more than uh, he needs so that out of the abundance of his work, uh, he can uh, support others. You know, there's a verse in Ephesians uh, 4.28 that says, Let the thief no longer steal, but let him do honest work uh, with his hands. And uh, I once had a a deacon uh, come to me in one of the churches I served and uh, he worked with his hands and he was uh, offended by that verse because he thought working with your hands, according to the Bible, is punishment for thieves. Let the thief no longer steal and as punishment for stealing, he has to work with his hands. He has to do manual labor. And he says, well, you know, I work with my hands and... uh, why am I uh, punished as if I was a thief? I said, uh, you've misunderstood the verse. <laughs> uh, the thief has uh, grasping hands and he is closed-fisted. He, he holds on to everything. He's grabbing and he's holding on to everything. But doing honest work with your hands uh, is uh, working hard and uh, being open-handed and generous to those who are in need. Uh, instead of uh, lazy hands that are always grasping and and tight-fisted, you're to have working hands that are uh, open and generous to those who are in need. And and that that applies to everyone, whether you work with your hands or you work with a uh, a computer or uh, are uh, developing theoretical physics or uh, in the field of psychology or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're You're using your talents and energies in order to be generous to those, uh, open-handed and generous to those who are in need. And of course, uh, when we are concerned with our neighbor's need, we need to be concerned with our neighbor's greatest need, which is not just a roof over his head and uh, food on his table and clothes on his back. Our neighbor's greatest need is for the gospel. And so, Uh, When we are open-handed with the fruit of our labors, we must especially be concerned to be generous with our gifts in such a way that uh, we can bring the gospel to those who are in need. And that means that we support the work of the church and support the work of missions uh, out of our generosity so that our neighbors may come to uh, know the truth about uh, sin and salvation and uh, grateful service to the Lord. Uh, not bringing God the first fruits of your labor, not bringing God the tithe is described in the Scriptures as robbing God, uh, not giving what uh, you owe Him. Uh, And uh, God has given us so much more than He gave His Old Testament saints. So uh, we are under obligation to uh, give generously even beyond what uh, was commanded in the the Old Testament. Uh, When Paul... Uh, writes to the Corinthians and urges them to uh, be generous. He says, remember Christ who for your sakes became poor so that you might become rich. Rich not only in the grace of life, but rich in many material ways as well. And out of that generosity, he, he urges them. He doesn't command them. He urges them in view of Christ's mercies. How generous ought you to be. Francis Schaeffer, the uh, uh, theologian of the 20th century uh, uh, spoke at the Lausanne International Congress of World Evangelism in 1974 and he he spoke about the uh, the law of gleaning the law of gleaning that Moses uh, taught the people of God that they were not to go through uh, the fields a second time to uh, pick any late ripening fruit or they're not to go back and pick up anything that dropped off the cart when they were collecting the, uh, the grain and so forth. But they were to leave the late ripening fruit and leave the stuff that uh, accidentally fell off the, the wagons and so forth. Leave that for the poor. And he was speaking to, to a lot of business people, not just to uh, uh, ministers and theologians. And he, he was saying to them, don't try to maximize profits. But instead, in your business also be generous. And he said, you know, if, if you run your business tight-fisted and, and, uh, uh, you know, squeezing every penny out of that business, <laughs> uh, and then say, well, I'll give the, I'll give the profits to missions, you do more good to follow the law of gleaning and, and be generous. And open-handed to your your employees, you know, share the profits with them and so forth. And uh, be generous and kind to to the consumer of the product. Uh, He says that will do more for evangelism than uh, squeezing every dime out of the business and then uh, giving the the difference to the missions. Uh, We're called to be generous people, to uh, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. and. All these other things that people are chasing after, food and clothing and uh, money, uh, they will be taken care of. God will watch over you. He will provide all that you need and provide it uh, uh, probably far more abundantly than you could ever do for yourself if you were greedy and uh, hard-hearted. Stealing rejects God. It hurts neighbor and it forfeits salvation. Don't do it. Remember, know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we do confess that greed and avarice even affects our hearts also, and so we we bring that sin to You and ask that it may be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we may be forgiven for our sins, and that we may go forth and be concerned with using our time, talent, and energy to glorify you by enriching the lives of those around us and being kind-hearted and generous and open-handed to those who are in need. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.